Welcome to Maestros On Air, presented by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Maestros On Air is a discussion of culture, news events, and life on the Space Coast, and highlights the music, the concerts, and the personalities of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Today's show was recorded at the Space Coast Symphony headquarters in Cocoa, Florida. With us today in the River House, the maestro himself, Aaron Collins. Plus an interview with featured oboist, Chuck McGee. And now, as always, your host, SCSO Director of Communications, Bill Trudeau. Top of the morning to you. Aaron, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. Yeah. Good to see you, Jeremy. Nice to be here. I guess I should say top of the morning to you too, Jeremy. Top of the morning to you, Bill. Yeah. It's great to be back on the podcast. Um, I have missed it. It's only a week, um, but I, I look forward to doing each, each and every one of these things. Um, obviously, Eric is traveling again. He is. He's, yeah. He's not here. Where is he? Texas? Texas right now. I think he went to New Orleans, then Texas with his wife, yeah. Colleen. Of course. Yeah. Last time I talked to him uh, a few days ago, he's at New Braunfels, Texas. Really? Yep. So how did you contact him? Did you, did you pay? Uh, him I, uh, I put a scroll him? and rolled it up and tied it to a dove's leg. And, uh, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, we have a really great show for you guys. Uh, today it's complete with, uh, a very special interview with Chuck McGee. Aaron's actually interviewing Chuck McGee, right, Aaron? That's correct. Um, yeah, we're going to be uh, doing that. We're going to be going to part one in just a little bit. Um, also, later in the show, we're going to be talking about some plans for the upcoming season. We're very excited about that. We've had some top-level uh, private meetings, and I'm not ready to let anything out of the out of the bag just yet. I'm going to leave that up to Aaron, but we're going to be hitting on a few things. The doors are still closed, and the council is in session, but uh, when decisions are made, there will be an announcement. Yes, you so, are correct, So we, ca we can announce that there will be an announcement. That's I, th I think that's what this is. That's right. It's going to be on April 19th. Yeah, we just um, had our annual garage sale this past weekend. Aaron, I must ask you, how do you think it went? Well, I was only here for the tail end of it, and uh, it was our spring sale and open house, and it went well from what I can tell. We got rid of everything, which is oh, well, that's a good. plus. That's a plus. And uh, I, th I, th I thought it was a, a nice event. Well, I know that a lot of people were stopping by with just about everything you could imagine. Um, I think it went really well. The weather was great. Beautiful. And at one point I was like, man, is this weather ever going to get better? Because it was nothing but cold and dreary and, you know, out of the blue, it just got really cold again. Remember, it was like Friday or Saturday. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but it got really nice. The weather was great for the garage sale. I'm glad it didn't rain. Um, that's what was on my mind anyway. It was a pleasant weekend. Yeah, I was here to help out. Um, I'm tooting my own horn, just in case you didn't know. Oh, is that what's going on right yes. now? Okay, honk, honk. No, I'm just kidding. No, it was fun. I really look forward to it. I love, I got to tell you, I love working with the volunteers, mm -hmm. and I like shaking the hands and meeting the people that come by to support the effort. I think it's a big deal. 
Actually, you know, you remind me of something. This very day, I was talking to somebody, and they had actually asked me, they said, uh, you know, you work with the symphony. I said, well, I'm not in the symphony, but I I know them. I work with them. And they actually asked me the question, uh, you know, is it possible to volunteer? And I said, absolutely, I know it is. And they were asking me, well, you know, what do we do if we want to get involved? So I'm, I'm this kind of impromptu. This was, you know, we hadn't planned on talking about this, but you just reminded me that somebody asked me. So, you know, what's the answer if uh, somebody wants to volunteer for the with the symphony? Well, let me start by uh, answering like this, answering you. What did you answer them? What did I you- said, I don't know, but I'm going to I'm going to be at the headquarters later today and I'll ask them. That's what I told them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, really, uh, let's let's ask Aaron. How do we handle that? Well, the volunteers, first off, we wouldn't be here without them. And uh, every organization says that, but we really mean it. Uh, this is a volunteer-run organization. We don't have a huge staff. We only have a few staff members. Of and course. when we started out with the orchestra, we had no staff. Uh, and we wanted to put all of our money, all of our income that came in, we wanted to put it right back into the music, right back into the education uh, program. And that was very important to us. Uh, We wanted to take the traditional orchestra model, kind of turn it upside down and do something new and fresh. And I think that's why we've been able to thrive in such an economic uh, climate as it was a few years ago. So our volunteers are very dear to us, and we have about 40 to 50, but we need so many more. I mean, we can, I would love to have hundreds of volunteers, and I know our volunteer team would as well. Um, so there's many ways they can go about it. One, they can call our toll-free number, which is 855-252-7276. That's a good way. And that's one good way. And there's a line actually specifically for volunteers. They can click that. It'll t- put them in touch with our volunteer coordinator, who's Diana Pepin. She's great. Sure. I love Diana. Yes. And uh, there's other ways as you can go about it as well. You can go on our website. There's a whole section dedicated to the volunteers. Go on our website and check that out and see all the different activities you can participate in. It's not just coming to the office doing work. It's not going to the concert, just passing out programs. There's a whole slew of uh, things they can participate in, uh, like marketing committees and other committees that are circle around certain events. So uh, being a volunteer is is a mighty task, but uh, one that I think they would find great reward in. It sure is. And I got to tell you, I think it's really neat. I really like coming in here. I'm showing my age. I say you're real neat. Um, It's really something to see how they really enjoy. I really think this is a big deal in their lives. And it is. And all I know is it brightens my day up when I come in and um, I'm, I'm working and working right alongside and with these people on various projects. And they are just, they're really a joy to work with. They have a great time when they're here. I maintain it's like a family. I think it's really more of a family type of atmosphere. It's really neat. And just so you know, we're on the same page. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to tell you, Eric... Uh, couldn't have timed it any better as far as uh, coming by the garage sale, back to the garage sale real quick. He and Colleen dropped off a lot of stuff, and then they took off. Mm-hmm. And apparently they hightailed it to Texas. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I would like to take this opportunity. When it comes to traveling, ladies and gentlemen, one of our major sponsors, Camping World, the nation's largest network of RV stores and services with over 100 locations to suit any of your RVing needs nationwide. They're located here in Brevard at 4700 King Street in Cocoa. They have some fantastic deals and they have an incredible inventory. Give them a call. It's toll free, 888-787-5669, or you can go to campingworldofcoco.com. They're um, on King Street in Cocoa, that's right? That's right. Yeah, they yeah. have a really big uh, big spot there. It's yeah. fantastic, um, and we really appreciate, appreciate them being a major sponsor. Of yes. course, we appreciate all of our partners, all of our sponsors. We wouldn't be able to do this without them. Um, if you can tell, my voice is a little messed up. I am just getting over bronchitis. I should t- I should tell the listeners that, so they're not well, like. Thanks for wrong? painting a picture. What is wrong with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> um, if you could set up this interview a little bit, I'd like to um, go to part one of the interview. Okay. Tell us a little bit about Chuck. Sure. McGee, First, Chuck is the bee's knees. I'm going to show my age the now. A good 1920s term there. He's I like a, that. He's That's a real swell guy. Yeah. He's a swell guy. <laughs> so you don't have to feel so old here. Um, but Chuck has uh, been playing with us since, I believe, 2012. Uh, he joined us. And a uh, great oboe player, English horn player, and uh, one of our musicians in the orchestra, and uh, we kind of review uh, his life, his enjoyment of music, how he found music, and uh, talk about some pieces that he's very fond of, and also of a group that he plays in the Lakeside Chamber Players that uh, is very dear to him as well. So it's a good interview. It sounds really... It's uh, the cat's meow. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Without further ado, let's uh, go to part one. This is Aaron Collins, Artistic Director of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra, and I'm here today with Chuck McGee. Chuck, welcome. Thank you very much, Aaron. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you. Um, Chuck is a terrific oboe player, plays English horn as well, and has been playing with the orchestra for quite some time. Terrific musician. Chuck, can you tell me a little about your upbringing in music? When did you first discover music? I started beginning band here in uh, Satellite Beach at the little elementary school. I did not know that. Is that Ocean View? Yeah. Yeah, Ocean View Elementary in the fifth grade. And um, I was a Navy brat. So we started there, and then I moved, and I started on clarinet. And over the next few years, I tried out saxophone and ended up in high school switching to oboe. But we had moved several times by that point. By the time we started... Satellite Beach, I started oboe, I was outside of Bremerton, Washington. Yeah. And uh, the ninth and 10th grade, and I finished up in high school in Houston, Texas. And okay. 11th and 12th grade, where I joined the Houston Youth Symphony Orchestra. And uh, that was the first time I heard a major symphony orchestra was the Houston Symphony. Do you and remember what they were playing? Pictures at an exhibition. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay. I uh, 
started, we ended up moving after high school to Orlando. Okay. Yeah. And that's when I became affiliated as a student of members of the, the Florida Symphony Orchestra, um, Janet Mascaro, uh, Woody Hawkins, and Lori Van Brunt. Yeah. I ended up taking lessons with all of them. Okay. Yeah. And I was a student of Janet's at UCF and then transferred up to Temple University where I got my bachelor's uh, in oboe performance, studying with Louis Rosenblatt, the English horn player of the Philadelphia Orchestra. Awesome. So when when in this period of time did you say, I want to perform on the oboe, I want to, you know, this is what I want to do in life? It would have been in college sometime. Yeah. Yeah. After the first two years. Uh, so you kind of just happenstance, you, you join music and, and you just fell in love from there. Right. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. There okay. were no musicians in my family. Yeah. And most, a lot of people say, oh, I found, you know, records when I was five or my mom was playing, you know, piano or, or but you know, it's, it's, in, it's incredible to hear all the different ways musicians uh, discover music and. Right. I listened to a lot of recordings in high school. I started listening to recordings probably in the 10th grade. Right. Uh, the first time I heard The Planets by Gustav Holst and went and got the recording from the library and listened to it over and over and over again. Having a musical background in my family and family members that really knew anything about music, um, I just didn't think that I could ever be a professional musician. Yeah. I but here you are today. Yeah. But here I am. Yeah. And I, it goes to show that you can do what you want to do and you should follow your heart. Good advice. Tell us a little about the oboe. The oboe is uh, part of the Woodwind family. And just for a just casual listener who, who's not familiar with the instrument, tell us a little about how would you describe it to someone who says, well, what's an oboe? Okay. Uh, for someone that doesn't know anything about the oboe, it's made out of a black ebony wood normally. Mm -hmm. It's very dark. Um, it's smaller than a clarinet, if you know what a clarinet is. Uh, it would not have a mouthpiece. However, it would have a reed that a double reed that's uh, usually made by the oboe player 
uh, if you're a professional, you're going to make your own reeds. Right. And uh, so it's a double reeded instrument. And it has a large family of instruments in, in its consort, including the oboe, the oboe d'amore, the English horn, the bass oboe, and the hecklephone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's five instruments. That's kind of big. I haven't experienced a hecklephone. Right. Um, let's see. Have you had the opportunity? Uh, I have never had the opportunity to play a hecklephone, but I have played bass oboe. Yeah. Yeah. I've played bass oboe on the planets three times here in Florida yeah. at three different orchestras. Cool. Yeah. And how would you describe the sound of the oboe? Very plaintive and melancholy. Yeah. Uh, that's the best description. It's also been described as an ill wind that no one blows well. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any certain uh, composers that you're attracted to as a as a musician that you gravitate that you love performing? Bach. Bach. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what Bach, is it about his music that? It's the phrasing and the way he writes a phrase is just incredible. It's very very beautiful. I also love the French masters. I I love playing Ravel and Debussy. Yeah. Very very much. I love the French masters as well. What is it about Bach, Ravel, Debussy that connects to you personally? Are there any specific pieces that come to mind uh, that personify what you love in their music? Bach, I would believe the uh, double concerto for oboe and violin is uh, one of my favorite pieces, especially the second movement. Yeah. Uh, it's just beautiful. Uh, for Ravel, of course, one of the very first pieces I ever heard of Ravel's was Le Tombeau de Couperin. Yeah. It was on the flip side of my Pictures at an Exhibition album okay. by the Chicago Symphony. So yeah. it was Ray Still playing on the other side, Le Tombeau de Couperin. And I had no idea what a mammoth piece this was. Yeah. Uh, just, it is a big piece. Yes. The yeah. first time I heard it, I was like, oh, is that an oboe? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never be able to play that. <laughs> but, of course, you just... 
practice and practice and learn it slowly, and eventually you can play it. Right. Yeah. JWC La Mer. La Mer, yeah. Yes. That piece says it all. Yes. Yeah, it's such yeah. a dramatic, it's a challenge for the musicians, for one. Yes. But I think the reward, I mean, for any piece of music, I guess, the reward is fantastic. And it's just a beautiful piece. It takes you to a different world. Yes. And that's what I really love yes. about it. It's so impressionistic. It's, yeah. it's very moving. You can close your eyes and you can see what the composer is trying to paint mm -hmm. in sound. Right. It's just incredible. You play with, not only with the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra, you're a busy musician. You perform with a lot of different orchestras. Yes. put on chamber concerts. Let's talk a little about chamber music. And you perform with the Lakeside Chamber Players. Tell us a little about them. Yes. Um, a very close friend of mine, Janet Harris, bassoonist, and myself, we founded the Lakeside Chamber Players at the Lakeside Inn in Mount Dora uh, in 2012. And we're now going on our third year. We do a summer series there, uh, a concert in July, August, and September, uh, one each month, and um, it's been very successful. We've played some very demanding repertoire, right. and we're planning another season this summer. So how's the audience, uh, you, the repertoire that you play, how's the audience take it? Is there, are they receptive to, they to this? They love it. They, love, they it. love it, because we're playing music that we love to play. Yes, yeah. We, we choose the pieces that we love to play. Then um, in the ensembles, we usually ask one of the people that are playing to speak about the piece we're about to perform, right. to give the audience some insight and, uh, and share any information about it that we can to, make, right. to, to help them to understand it. it, enhance it, so yeah, they absolutely. appreciate it's it It's amazing how much just a little what you tell the audience That's correct. creates that impact. I remember back in 2013, we played a work by a Pulitzer Prize-winning composer, Aaron J. Kernis. It was called Colored Field, and it was a concerto for English horn and orchestra. It's a brilliant piece. Uh, it's brilliant, but it is also very adventurous for the musicians and even more adventurous for our audience. The musical language is very much 20th century. There's Much of it is uh, set within an atonal landscape. And it's just a very powerful piece from start to finish. Now, the first night we performed it, uh, Aaron J. Kernis was not present. And the audience left with great satisfaction, but... Uh, there was a major difference the second day, I felt. And Aaron spent a good five minutes talking about the work and relaying to the audience why he wrote it. I remember him talking about the first movement. It's, the first movement is titled Colored Field, and its inspiration is quite direct. I remember Kernis mentioning that he went over to the Nazi death camps over in Auschwitz in 1989, and he saw a child eating a blade of grass. Now, this was quite an emotional image for him, seeing a young child pick up a blade of grass from blood-soaked ground. And that kind of set forward his path on colored fields and everything around it. It's quite an emotional piece, and it's such a powerful work and whole. Now, with that in mind and the audience knowing this, it made such an immediate impact. And the 
atonality, the violent uh, phrases within the work just became part of this emotional roller coaster. And the audience after the work was just exhausted, emotionally exhausted. And it was just such a powerful experience for us and the orchestra and our audience. What an interview, Aaron. You sure know your stuff. Thank you very much. You're uh, welcome. We just came from, uh, I believe it was Colored Field, which we performed in 2013. And I talked a little about, uh, ended that first segment with a little about how we approach the audience prior to a concert. Uh, kind of give them, uh, talk to them about the piece of music we're about to play. And that was, especially for that particular work was very important in the process and uh, really helped enhance their experience uh, in the concert itself. Sure. Well, I, I got to tell you, I, I know that everybody um, that I've talked to really appreciates the fact that you do take time to interview. It makes a big difference. Um, we're going to be talking about the upcoming season and maybe touching on a few things. But before we do that, I would like to um, take a look backwards, if okay. we could just for a minute and go to a movement uh, from Chike 5. Yeah, um, I think we're going to listen to the third movement. Uh, this is from our performance on the 22nd of March. And uh, the third movement is a waltz. Now, it's sandwiched between these dark movements. You have the, the very dark movement in the first, then you find a very beautiful and uh, passionate second movement. And then you have something that's completely different that almost seems like a stepsister and nothing against stepsisters, but um, this is something out of the ordinary. And this waltz, this short melancholic waltz appears and it's very reminiscent of his ballet music. And it's a beautiful waltz. And uh, this is from the third movement of Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony. But it's interesting because it, even though it's a waltz in three four time it still has the theme from the rest of the symphony exactly at the very end and at the very end of that third movement it's the motto which uh, that's what the theme is called the motto theme uh, reappears in kind of a ghost form just a, a little a shade of it at the very end in the clarinet and bassoon and it's uh, very effective to bring back that theme and then have that theme go throughout all the movements and eventually close in a heroic form at the end of the symphony Thank you. 
was some concert. Thank you very much. I thought the orchestra played very well, and uh, and I know the audience really enjoyed the whole symphony on a whole. Absolutely. Well, that was a good uh, look back, if you ask me. Thank you. Um, now, uh, just a little bit about the upcoming season. Yeah. What would you like to know? What would you like to say? Okay. Well, uh, we're, we'd like to know everything. So yeah, we would now love that, to know everything. Can you announce it now? Uh, no, I can't. Uh, we are going to be announcing it within just a couple Aaron, of weeks. Aaron, are you, are you, can you say on this show, are you running for president? Just say it right now. I cannot say that. <laughs> Jeremy, I like that. You know, that's what they always do on talk shows. Some politician who's obviously running for president, they get him on and say, can you announce? Oh, well, I'm thinking about it, so... What are we thinking about, Aaron? Well, uh, next season is going to be our most ambitious season. Uh, first and foremost, it's going to be very exciting. Uh, not only are we adding additional concert, we're adding a lot of different series to our current mix. We're also expanding our education outreach tenfold this next season. We have three very, very exciting projects that we're doing that's going to really enhance our education program, and I cannot wait to announce those as well. Um, I can tell you, I will tell you one piece that we're doing, uh, just one just one of the works out of 50. You're going to let it out doing. of the bag? Just one of them. Okay. I got sure. my pen here. I'm ready to write uh, it down. We're going to be, uh, one of our masterworks is going to focus on Danny Elfman's Serenata Schizophrenia. Danny Elfman is a friend and a mentor, and I think it's going to be really exciting uh, for our audience to hear this symphonic work. We're used to hearing Danny Elfman and Tim Burton movies and hearing his dark gothic music and, and those films. But this is going to be a rare treat where he's actually written this piece of music for the concert stage. Wow. And it is an incredibly uh, sophisticated and exciting work that our audience is just going to be jaw dropped. So that's going to be one of the works of many for next season. I'm sitting here wondering what it's going to be like as you're explaining it. I think it's going to be, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That'd be really also something. Also on that concert, I will be writing a piece. Uh, many of our audience members have been asking and asking for, to hear some of my music. Well, I thought it would be uh, fun to write a piece in honor or just a little ode to Danny uh, and his music. So there will be a, uh, a work of mine on that program as well. So Will it be similar in nature? I don't know about similar. It'll definitely have uh, a, a nod, a couple nods to him. But, uh, you know, my music is my own. And But uh, there will be some, some nods to his music and his, uh, his tutelage throughout the years for me. Well, I know that we uh, definitely want to spend some time talking about the upcoming concert, Carmen. But before we get to that, we actually have the second half of your interview. Absolutely. Sure. Chuck McGee. Yeah. Back to Chuck McGee. Uh, Chuck talks a little about uh, some of his favorite pieces, and he also talks about teaching as well. So with the Lakeside Chamber Players, would you describe your format of concerts as a little bit more informal? It's very intimate. Yeah. We take time, uh, especially after the program's over, to interact with our audience. Um, at times, we'll be open to questions. Normally, that doesn't happen. There, people don't usually have too many questions. Right. But yeah. uh, there, there uh, are times that they might ask a question. This past summer, I had the opportunity to play the uh, Persichetti solo parable for oboe, Yeah, which I was uh, 
pretty nervous about playing because I didn't know how the audience was going to respond how, to they this take it? very... It's different. Different piece. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, they absolutely loved it. They loved it. And yeah. um, they loved what I had to say about it, even though it was pretty much off the cuff and I was pretty nervous. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and the performance went well. Yeah, Good. They were, they were very responsive. Good. Do you find it's a different mindset for you as a performer when you're playing those? I know words like intimate and those things kind of get thrown out, but they're kind of one and the same. What do you feel is the difference as a performer when you approach these two different mediums? They're both very demanding. Yeah, they're both very demanding right. in different ways. In different ways, yeah. and they really put you on the spot. But um, I feel like playing chamber music makes me a stronger orchestral player. All right, Chuck, uh, you play with the Space Coast Symphony. Has there been any concerts that really, as a performer, that ring in your mind? Yeah, I remember a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, um, I would have to say... The first concert I played sticks out in my head just because it was the first one. Yeah. It was one of the film concerts, and I remember playing English horn on a Star Trek thing. Right. Uh, yeah, Out of This World one. Part 1. Correct. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. And we Mar were doing the world premiere of the Star Trek motion picture score. That's right. Yeah, it was I like remember. 30 minutes of Star Trek. It was, uh, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was. It, it was cool. very well received. There yeah. Full house uh both places we played uh the other one that really sticks in my mind was Mahler five because yeah. i was so excited about playing it and to have the opportunity to play principal on that piece for the first time yeah. it was incredible yeah. uh it was a great experience and yeah, me too i enjoyed that a lot yeah all right so uh this year how many orchestras do you play with typically you know in a season this year, I'm contracted to play in three orchestras, and then I'm playing the chamber music group. So I right. play here with the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra, the yeah. Charlotte Symphony Orchestra of uh, Punta Gorda, and then the Daytona Solisti Chamber Orchestra. I do get calls from time to time to play with the Jacksonville Symphony Orchestra. Yeah, every once in a while, there's another one that comes up, but you never sure. know. Yeah, you're always getting right. calls and, and jobs on the fly. Every time you go out and play, it's an opportunity for people to hear you, and you never know who's listening. You right. never know who's playing in these orchestras with you and who they're connected with and how that might affect you in the, the future. Connections are really important. It's very important. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Always. I've learned that. All right, let's talk about education. Uh, Chuck, tell me a little about your thoughts on teaching. Yeah, I, I love teaching. I love private teaching. I started teaching privately when I was a graduate student at Rice University. I would go north of Houston and uh, to one of the high schools and teach after school. I probably had about five or six students. Yeah. And that was really nice when you're a college student. It's a nice form of income. Sure. At first, I was a little bit nervous about it, but... When you start teaching, you realize that you know so much more than the students know. Yeah. <laughs> and if you could just get them to slow down and right. realize that the difficulties they're having are not unusual. Right. That there's a way to get through them and that we all go through it. That... Um, I think that that motivates the students and it helps them a lot. I, I continued teaching when I, I came here to uh, Jacksonville and I was playing with the Jacksonville Symphony. I taught up there. I had a studio of about a dozen students at a time and probably three Allstate 
oboe students uh, while I was teaching there uh, was very, very rewarding. And it helps you learn so much about your instrument. Right. Because you need to put into words how did you figure out how to do this? <laughs> you have to put that into words for a young person right. to understand. You're learning things as you're teaching. That's correct. Yeah. Always, always, always. And another big thing about teaching for me is to get the parents involved, to have the parents feel welcome in my home mm -hmm. while I'm teaching, uh, that they can even listen in on the lesson, be present for the lesson. Um, if they have questions about uh, what they're their, their child is doing, they can always feel free to ask me. Uh, this is where I got some of the greatest rewards as a teacher. Yeah. And, uh, those were the students that did the best, were the ones whose parents were there. Um, they weren't active while I was teaching, but they right. were so engaged and were They're engaged and, and encouraging. Right. And they would come and, you know, hey, Chuck, you know, uh, Olivia doesn't want to practice. Right. Uh, Olivia is upset about such and such. Why don't you say something to her? I mean, right. It got to that point where the parents would That's ask good. me to speak to their kids about yeah. different things, sometimes outside of music things, which is, that's pretty incredible. Well, I mean, a good yeah. teacher... Like right. yourself. I mean, that's kind of the things that you get to do. I mean, that that you're going to encounter that get past the music and get into life itself. It's so rewarding. Yeah, it's so rewarding. Now, do you have advice for young musicians that are thinking of becoming a, you know, orchestral musician or getting into music? It's a tough road. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not. It's not easy at all. But <laughs> persistence pays off. Yeah. You just be persistent and just keep trying. You have to keep on, you have to keep recording yourself. You become at some point your best teacher. At some point, you're going to replace your teacher with your, maybe it's your computer or whatever you can record yourself with mm -hmm. and listen to yourself and evaluate yourself and make those corrections yourself. Um, I've always been told by uh, the best conductors and teachers as I was going through school that it's 10% uh, talent and 90% work. You have to be willing to do the work mm -hmm. and do those tedious and boring long tones and scales and all of that stuff. They make you stronger and they're going to get you to the next level. That's good. What's your favorite piece of music? Do you have a favorite piece of music? I know it I, changes with it time changes, and when you're performing, so I, but if someone just said favorite piece of music, what would be your favorite piece of music? I mean, Tchaikovsky 4 is coming in my head right now. I don't know why, go. but I, I think Ride of Spring was like probably yeah. the, my, uh, was a, a life changing What did you piece. think of it when you first heard Ride of Spring? It blew my mind. I was like, yeah. wow, this is crazy. And, and it's so great. It, wasn't, it wasn't shocking? Did you enjoy it on first listen? I did. I found it really challenging to listen to and and bizarre.
Yeah, I I guess the the Rite of Spring and Tchaikovsky's Fourth Symphony were introduced to me the same year. Yeah. And I was in high school, and uh, two of the you know those are some of the first recordings I purchased and listened to, over and over and over and over and over. That's good to know. And I'm very excited about the opportunity opportunity to perform with uh, Space Coast next season as a soloist. Yes. For the let's uh, talk about that. The Bach Brandenburg. Concerto number two. That's exciting. Yes, so, very so much. Let's so. talk a little about the Bach Brandenburg. Uh, this is number two. Correct. Tell me a little about the piece. First time I heard this piece was in Houston with the Texas Chamber Orchestra, which actually went under. But my teacher was the uh, um, oboe soloist. My first oboe teacher, Janet Rarick, and it's a great piece. It's a great. Um, I would call it like, almost like a concerto grosso. Is that yeah. what you would consider it? Because you have four soloists in front of the orchestra and a right. small chamber orchestra behind them. You have them. a trumpet. You have a, a piccolo trumpet, yeah. a violin. A flute. A flute. It can be a flute a bec or a, flute, a transverse flute. I've seen it both ways. And an oboe. Yeah. It's one of the most difficult trumpet parts. Yes. If I remember right. And Michael Fee will be performing on the concert. Michael He'll Fee. He'll do wonderful, wonders with that. He's a fantastic trumpet player. And I've heard him play piccolo trumpet with the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Yeah. And he's amazing. Yeah. I'm looking it's going to be a great it. concert. I, yes. We haven't told the audience what our next season is, but uh, we're very excited to do Box Brandenburg uh, Concerto Number 2. And Chuck will be featured as a soloist. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah, well, I'm thrilled too. To wrap it up, uh, if you want to find out more about uh, Chuck's uh, Lakeside Chamber Players, you can go to lcpclassical.com. They're a 501c3. They perform in Mount Dora. Any other places you perform? We've done um, we've done a program at Universal Studios, yeah. and we've done a program in Stewart, but primarily we are based in, in Mount Dora. And you That's can find correct. their concert schedule on that website, and uh, they're a wonderful group of musicians, perform a good variety, challenging works, but yes. the audience will walk away feeling rewarded. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So I want to thank you very much for joining me, Chuck. We're going to be doing many interviews over our time together. Awesome. And uh, thank you for coming today. Thank you very much, Aaron, for having me. It's been a great pleasure.
Thank you for that interview, Aaron. Very nice. Thank now you. We know a little more about Chuck McGee. Um, I'd like to set the stage, if we could, for the upcoming concert. Can okay. you do that for us? Absolutely. Uh, this particular concert is called Carmen. Um, there's three works on it. The concert opens up with uh, Samuel Barber's Adagio for Strings. It's one of the most popular and most listen to orchestral works in the 20th century. Um, it's made famous in the movie Platoon, but it's an incredible piece. It starts with a single line in the violins from a B-flat, and throughout the entire piece, through tension, uh, it keeps coming, climbing up through a ladder until it gets to its climax, which rarely leaves a dry eye in the audience. I'm very familiar with uh, what you're talking about. I like that movie very much. Yeah. it's uh, The cool thing is it's it comes from an honest musician, and it's honest music, and there's no pretension in it, pretentious um, dilly-dally in it. It is just simply as simple as it gets, but that's why what makes it so powerful. And, uh, and I know the audience will just love it if they've never heard it. The second piece on the program is from Kevin Putz, and this is his Concerto for Oboe and Strings. Now, this was a work that he wrote earlier in his life, and he wrote for the National Symphony Orchestra in Washington, D.C., and uh, we're actually presenting the Southeast uh, United States premiere of it. Wow, that's um, an honor. It is. Uh, it's, we always love to perform new music, and uh, this piece is another great one. This is going to feature Kristen Nygus. She's one of the best oboes, in my opinion, in the country, and she's just a brilliant player. There's not a lot of time for her to breathe in this concerto. That's going to be one thing the audience will notice. There's a lot of playing, and there's no rest for her at all. Typically, you find some spots to just sit out for a few minutes and let the orchestra take over, but not in this concerto. Poots, uh, this is kind of a modern retelling of Bach, uh, and it's very much in the spirit of Bach. Uh, harkens back to the contrapuntal nature of Bach's music. It's kind of like a fresh look at Bach, if right. you will. It, it's, it's very much centered on the harmonies, and you'll hear that throughout the work. Uh, the first movement is very grid-like. It's very uh, just a lot of harmonies, but fast-shifting uh, harmonies. It's going to be a very neat piece for the audience and a challenge for the orchestra all on the same. I like the sound of that. Yeah, and then we're going to close the concert with Carmen. Now, Everyone's familiar with Bizet's Carmen. It has some of the most popular themes in all of music. And uh, this is a fresh take on Carmen. This is uh, from the composer Shehedrin, which is a Russian composer and one of Russia's greatest living composers at the time, or now as we speak. Now, this piece is a little different. It's scored for strings and percussion. He pretty much stripped the winds and brass out of the piece to give the opportunity to create new timbral ideas, new different sounds. So you're going to see four percussionists along with a timpani player and the strings on the stage, and it's going to create some very exciting, witty, funny moments in, in this piece. It's not... I'm trying to picture it. 
Yeah, it's not really pastiche it. where it's uh, he's he's taking Bizet and and just adding elements to it. It's kind of a meeting of two minds, Bizet and Shahedrin, and it's just a really fascinating look at Bizet and gives a fresh and uh, fervent new look at the piece. And I think the audience is going to love it. Well, I am looking forward to that, and I'm sure that they are too. Um, I got to tell you, um, this has been a really, really um, interesting show for me. Anyway, I've enjoyed it. Um, did you have a shout-out that you wanted to... Um, yeah, I, I do. You want to um, give a shout-out? I do. We have okay. a musician who's performed with us for quite a long time uh, as a soloist, him and his sister of a Takali duo. Um, Suleiman Takali is a great friend, violinist, and one of the world's... Uh, fast rising violinists. Uh, he just placed second place in the Seoul international violin com competition, which is a huge honor. Wow, and, uh, that's great. and I'm super proud of him and I can't wait to have him and his sister come back and perform for us. And, and it'd be great for you all to meet him as well. Cause you haven't actually experienced the Takali effect. Um, but, uh, he's performed as a soloist with the orchestra several times in our first few years. And now he's just breaking the wall down and, and, and doing great things around the world. So there's my shout out. Congratulations, Suleiman. Yes. Congratulations from everybody at Maestro's on air. And I got to tell you, um, I think that there's an interview in the future with him, correct? Absolutely. Next time he's in town, uh, he's always on the road, but next time he's in town, I'll rope him over and uh, we'll get him in the studio and, and see what we can uh, dig out of his mind. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. Um, I'd like to take this opportunity. We obviously would not be able to do what we do without our incredible sponsors. We appreciate each and every partner. Uh, Retirement Redefined. The Brennity at Melbourne is proud to sponsor the Space Coast Symphony. The Brennity at Melbourne modernizes and redefines the retirement experience from spacious homes to independent assisted living and memory care apartments. Every need is addressed with style and grace in our beautiful gated community. Just give them a call, 321-253-7440 to learn more about their exceptional retirement living options and to schedule a private presentation. The Brennity at Melbourne. Before we close the show, I have an announcement of my own. And in fact, I haven't yet shared it with you two guys. So this will be a surprise for you. Hopefully a good one. Great. Uh, as you're aware, we've switched hosting companies for the show. The last one was okay. Uh, worked fine, especially as we're getting started. But there were some limitations. So we switched to peak velocity, which has worked out quite well. Yes. Yeah, it gives us some more flexibility. We can add richer content like pictures of our guests some other links. And on the heels of that, this week, an entirely new announcement. Drum roll, please. Maestro's On Air is available in the iTunes store. Wow. Awesome. That's, that's really good news. Moving on up. So if you have an iDevice, you can open up the podcast app and search for Maestro's On Air. Or you can go to the show page at maestrosonair.com. And in the far right column under the show logo, you'll see a button that says, Get It on iTunes. 
Click on that. It'll bring up the show in the iTunes store and hit subscribe. And then too bad Eric is not here because he would say through the miracle of technology. Yes, he would. Yeah. uh, You will automatically have the show delivered to you. Took the words out of his mouth. Uh, But of course, if you don't have an iDevice uh, or you just prefer it this way, you can still listen to the show straight from the webpage as before. Well, this has been a real entertaining and interesting show. Um, This is Bill Trudeau. This is Aaron Collins. And this is Jeremy Hickman. Saying, we'll see you at the show. You've been listening to Maestros On Air. Brought to you by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Remember, you can support the symphony in many ways including a visit to Maestro's Cafe, located just inside the main entrance to the Brevard Central Library and Reference Center, 308 Forest Avenue, Cocoa, Florida. Maestro's Cafe serves a variety of coffee and other drinks, as well as breakfast and lunch selections, and is open most days from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. with extended hours on Tuesday and Thursday, closed Sunday. For more information about the symphony or upcoming events, like us on Facebook or visit our webpage at spacecoastsymphony.org. And remember, as always, we'll see you at the show. Thank you.